Welcome to Amazon Legends, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became power sellers, also providers specializing in helping sellers, aggregators that acquire sellers, and former Amazonians will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here is your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My next guest, I'm smiling, I'll tell you in a second why, uh, but my next guest uh, he, he's been a marketing man many, many years, and then he decides to be a seller. And then just like it happens to everybody else, he gets in trouble with seller performance. And as he gets in trouble, he starts to develop the skill where his responses are like flying through seller performance. He gets very good at it. And then the next thing is people are asking him, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And then he realizes that, you know, he's really good at this. So today he is the CEO and founder of Ecom Seller Tools, which is a seller performance agency specializing in getting people out of trouble. <laughs> All the reinstatements, uh, that people look to somebody for uh, is what he does. So, and uh, when he's not working, he likes to play basketball and also obviously follow. So with that, everybody meet my guest, Scott Margolis. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, I, uh, I, uh, I enjoy people who have been grilled by <laughs> You know what it's like, right? So it's it never ends back and forth. So dealing with seller performance is everybody's problem. You know, constant emails, you can't talk to anybody, and then they keep coming back asking for the same thing over and over and over. So so this is uh, this is as close to uh, being a, a mind reader, so to speak, uh, or uh, an analyst. Yeah, so there are several different issues. So dealing with seller performance issues is, in fact, a, a skill and interpreting their messages, interpreting their requests, and also, you know, how you write, how you respond, what is the structure of it, and, and so many other things. You can't just wing it. And you can't, you know, they ask for a POA or as a plan of action, and then you submit one, what you think is a POA, but they come back. And, so there is a there, there is a pre-configured way to approach this situation and then take the emotions out. But once you take the emotions out, what is the knowledge? What is the best practice? So today we're going to cover this area of how to deal with seller performance issues and get quick results, and then if you don't get them, then what happens next uh, if you want to do it yourself? So with that, let's jump right in. So tell us, what can you share with us right off the bat as step number one? Uh, step number one, I'd say, is to keep a cool head. You definitely don't want to jump to conclusions. You don't want to get overly emotional I, I see people get really upset you know and maybe they're also confused but and whenever you're in some sort of flight or uh, fight or flight mode like that and and you're emotional and or even angry or confused none of those things play well for you so you want to get to a place where you can 
sort of relax and get a better understanding of exactly what's going on so you don't have a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Can I tell you my uh, number one piece of advice in terms of what to do when you get an account suspension? Go for it. I say this. You're going to have to deal with this. So unless you receive one of those nasty messages that you are out, you will never be allowed back in. Even then, it doesn't mean anything. You're going to get back in. But from practical standpoint, as a business owner, assume that bi-weekly deposit cycle will skip twice. Probably. Depends. Assume the worst. And... Immediately go plan your cash flow. What happens if I don't get payment on the next payment cycle? So that you are ready, so that it doesn't happen, then at least you have some kind of a peace of mind. Of course, you're not going to stay suspended, but you've taken care of all your cash flow that you're going to need. What do you think about that approach? I like that a lot. The only thing I would add to that one step better maybe is that everybody should be thinking about that all the time even if you're not suspended what do you do if you don't get a payout you know if you're if your business is going to go into a spiral and you have to lay people off or you can't make rent or you can't pay your mortgage because of one missed payout that's a big problem and and i would want to make alternative plans contingency plans immediately before you're in that position you don't want to be winging it like that on Amazon where you're just really strung out with your credit cards and in a really bad position if they miss a payment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's a, you know, it's a tough call because when you start building on Amazon, you, you're buying inventory and those payments come much faster than, you know, you, you hope. And you're going week after week after week handling your stuff, and then you do end up growing your operation to the extent that Amazon is the majority of your sales, and you rely on that bi-weekly deposit. So it's a big deal. And let's face it, especially as we record this, with the economy going the way it is, and the interest rates, and people don't really have that extra buffer to say, okay, I'm going to assume this is not, and and then I'm I'm all set. It's, it's, It's very hard. So people do end up relying on that bi-weekly deposit and then at least as an emergency measure, okay, imagine it's not going to be there, make the arrangements so at least that way you can focus on what's in front of you. That was my take. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. The struggle and the difference is you're you're not just an Amazon seller if you're an Amazon seller. You know, you're a small business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you might be a solopreneur, but you're still a business owner. And Amazon is just a platform. It's just a marketplace. Even if that's where all of your income comes from, that causes you to immediately think about, well, where else could your income come from besides Amazon, if that's where your only check is coming from? You know, a lot of your listeners I'm assuming are are much bigger sellers. They're on a bunch of platforms. Amazon's just one channel. And if you're only on Amazon, you should think of yourself that way. Hey, I could be selling here. I could be selling there. I could be offering other services. Where else could you get income besides just Amazon? Because you don't want to 
have the day come along where, oh, your payment doesn't come through or something happens with this strange, you know, FTC lawsuit and they decide we're not going to let any more sellers in the door. I mean, anything could happen, but you don't have to take those kinds of risks to be a business owner selling on Amazon. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So let's uh, assume a scenario where the bad thing happened and you have this notice. So uh, walk us through some best practices of how to get yourself prepared position in the first place and then how to deal with the situations. I really like seeing people be as proactive as possible. And, and to me, that means uh, a variety of things, but first and foremost, there's no reason in the world why you should not be familiar with Amazon's terms of service with the, the seller solutions agreement. Everybody should take time, you know, within the next week or two and, and read through that and become familiar with it. Uh, even Seller University is is quite valuable and, and something that people should uh, go through and then they should uh, train their staff on information that's there. there. There are a lot of things that can happen to an account or to an individual ASIN for which in some ways you could say there's no excuse because you should be familiar with the policies and, and you wouldn't want to be violating them by accident just because of the fact you didn't know they're there because you didn't read them. And so that's maybe the the first leg of, of being uh, proactive. Um, I was going to keep going, but I want to make sure that that's uh, something that you would yeah, want to endorse. I mean, so uh, look, you know, th this is like telling people, you know, you should read the fine print before you sign the contract. And the reality is, yes, Nobody does should, it. but who does it? Nobody. Right. So uh, my, here is my problem with, the terms of service. So yes, uh, you definitely need to read it. But if somebody said, okay, today we're going to study the terms of service. Well, that doesn't really go anywhere because what is the focus? So what I always say people is whatever you're working on at the time, for example, let's say you're building your uh, content and, and you are working on your title. Go study the terms of service about title and content. Well, you could spend the time just studying the terms of service for creating a listing at a minimum. If yeah. all of a sudden you start creating listings instead of just adding your inventory to an existing uh, ASIN that's in the catalog, if you're going to create listings, study the policies for creating listings. Exactly. Whatever you're doing. So that's why my approach with pictures, with videos and, and everything else, it makes a big difference. And, and I will say this, I mean, I, I, unfortunately, this is Amazon. There's nothing we can do. I share this little example with you. I have a client and they sell diffuser oils. So now I did not know this, but every single product that has a smell, that smell is attributed to a component called terpene. I did not know this. Chemically, that's what gives smell. It's all terpenes. It's all terpenes. Well, guess where else you can find terpene? In places that are restricted. CBD products. Yeah. So, so I had this client, and I've been in the Amazon space for 20 years. Just It's going to be 20 in a few months. If I'm illiterate about this, I'm telling you, there aren't too many people uh, who are not. So... 
uh, and this is the nature of Amazon. So this particular company that I'm working with, they apparently position themselves as a very strong processing operation, a manufacturer of terpene-based products. So they have terpene everywhere in their positioning. That's their marketing material, <laughs> strength. Well, guess what? We created the listings. Bang, the listings got suspended. And, and it says it violates Amazon policy. We go search, search, and search, and search, and search. There is no policy. It's so hard when it, when you are violating some kind of restricted keyword that you don't even know is a problem. Yeah. So, uh, but you know where you find the policy? When you get the policy violation. Hopefully. Right Sometimes they don't even give it to you. Yeah. Right underneath, you click, and then it opens up. And you know what the policy violation that we had was? Sales of liquid terpene is restricted, is not permitted. Well, we're not selling liquid terpene. We're not selling anything of terpene. But finally, and then you go to Amazon, you have all kinds of products with what is terpene, but they're called essential oils. So now we had to replace everything we get rid of the word terpene. And so the, the moral of the story is you can read the terms of service all day long and memorize it. You're still not going to find this particular thing in it anywhere until you get in trouble. True. That happens frequently, but it still is, I think, beneficial. It's still worth the read. It's not that hard to read through. Um, and even if you don't want to read every single word, you know, you could read through the whole Bible and skip Lamentations and you'd be fine. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. There are certain areas you could probably skip that they don't apply to you, but um, it's still worth it. You know, it's still yeah. it, it's still worth the time to do it, even as arduous as it might seem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think but the, your advice is sound. Uh, I would say what you are really telling people is you're not telling everybody to go read terms of service cover to cover, but you're just simply telling them, get yourself familiarized and then learn how to navigate the terms of service uh, before you do something. And then you know where to find stuff, what's in it. And, uh, and then whenever you are executing a particular task, you're simply saying, go study that section that you know how to find, where to find, and get yourself up to speed with what they want you to do. Right. And when you get in trouble, then you'll learn more. <laughs> Deal with it, right? I mean, I'd much rather know in advance. Yeah, uh, but exactly. that's, you know, the sort of the risk management hat, you know. Exactly. So, okay, so they uh, somebody signed up, and they're building their listing and they went, they figured out where the, the, the whole thing is, and then they got themselves up to speed. So what else can they do? Uh, one thing I think that makes sense as far as being proactive is you want to be, presumably, if you're an active seller, you're in your account every day. One place that you need to go every single day is not just your account hat and dashboard. And that's where most sellers go and a lot of them call it good. It's like, oh, I looked at my account health dashboard and I'm fine. It's like checking your speedometer. But I'm going to tell you, don't forget to check your gas gauge. 
if you run out of gas, what happens? You're, you're smoked. You know, you're sitting there on the side of the road. Yeah. But the maybe somewhat similar in your account is the, your performance notifications. Uh, I've been, you know, on the phone with somebody and I'm walking them through where to go in their account. And they're like, oh, where's that? They've never even been to their performance notifications before. And it's like, you want to be in your account health dashboard and you want to be in your performance notifications. You don't want to forget to be in your performance notifications every day. And a lot of the time, you can go into your account health dashboard and it won't tell you exactly what the problem is, right? Uh, you got to go to performance notifications, like you were saying earlier, in order to have the exact policy that gets cited or to find the real problem behind the reason why you received the, the warning. Uh, sometimes it won't tell you there either, but at least you should go there every day. Sometimes you've got to go into your emails, right? You, it, the only way that you know about some kind of issue or warning or, or notification is in your email and, and it doesn't even show up in your performance notifications. So that's important to keep in mind. Um, and, and you should also, you know, go ahead and take the opportunity, like pause the replay of this right now, go into your account and check your notification settings and make sure that you're sending uh, notifications from Amazon to an email that you check on a regular basis. You know, well, you, you don't you know, want it, and you don't want those notifications commingled with all kinds of other notifications that you're getting where you won't see it. Well, you know, this is the reason why I like talking to people who have been around. So you're going through things that are so easy to implement, yes. but neglected a lot of the times, and and you're just hitting them. And the reason why I say this is this particular seller. Guess how we found out that their listing was uh, removed. So here I am building the listing with them. And then we are using the flat files to create. And then something happens and it goes away. Something happens and it, as we, we, we've done it like twice. And then uh, I thought, okay, let's give it some time, take a break and come back tomorrow. So what happens the following day, we are all together. And of course, I taught them enough to say that, look, your primary user email, do not share it with other people, keep mm. it to yourself. So I, the first thing I do is I get them to create a, usually an email called Amazon at whatever your domain. So I say to them, only use this username when you are logging in purposely for things that are sensitive. Otherwise, create another username for yourself and then give yourself all the permissions if you want, but just don't use the primary user. You might be the first person I've ever heard talk about that besides me. And I, I applaud you for that. I think it's super important. The best practices that you just suggested are something that, I mean, everybody should put the podcast on pause right now and, and change those things right now. You should not be sharing the primary login to your Amazon account with anybody, not your wife, not your business partner, not your exactly. best friend, no employees. You know, there's a we could go into that for the next 15 minutes talking about best practices for what to do as far as how to set up your primary user account. And, and you know, when people come, they hire me. The first thing you want to do is give me account access. It's like, well, I don't want account access. I don't need it. You know, and especially you don't want to give me your primary login. Don't give that to anybody. Scott, so this can easily get you suspended on its own. So, Absolutely. so th this is what I say to people. So, 
now that I mean, thank you for bringing it up. To me, this is like I'm so afraid of getting suspended because of these easy situations. So I say this: do not share your primary username with somebody else because Anyone. of the following reasons. Number one, Amazon does not know who you are. The only thing that they know is the information you're submitting. And as far as they are concerned, the information you're submitting, first and foremost, is your email address. So to them, when you create an account with an email address, that email address is the owner of the account. That means you're calling the shots. You know everything about the company. You're making the decisions. Now, if you go share it with somebody else and somebody else logs in with the same email, they think that it's still the same person and, and they are doing X, Y, Z. Now, but in fact, it was somebody else. Now, not only do you not share that, don't share it with anybody else. Don't use it for anything else. Don't use exactly. that same email for doing your buying if you're RAOA. Don't use that same email if you're a wholesaler. Don't use that same email if you're private label. That's not the primary contact for anyone else other than you and Amazon. Yeah. So now, point number two. At this point, a trillion dollar company that is large enough that doesn't even blink when the entire US government comes after them, they have so much information with the kind of prime membership they have. They have the home addresses, credit card numbers, blah, blah, blah. So in other words, just from that email address, they can put two and two together and then create a persona of who is this person who is using this email, the electronic footprints of your computer, your device, your IP address, so many other things that nobody knows. It's secret that Amazon has a way of pinpointing exactly who they are dealing with. Now, when you share the primary email address, your primary username with somebody else, for the right reason, innocently, even though it's wrong, for the right reason. And that person one day goes out, and it could be years later, doesn't matter. That person goes out and says, oh, I, I've got a great product idea, and uh, I'm going to create an Amazon account. And they go sign up for an Amazon account, and bang, they're going to be picked up and say, assuming they are operating double account. And Murphy's Law... If at that time, this account, the first account got in trouble, now it's going to look like somebody is trying to game the system where they got in trouble with one account and creating. I mean, these things happen all the time. And they're not going to say anything. Well, we have reason to believe you are operating multiple Amazon accounts. Now, can you not do that? Sure you can. But you have to be upfront. You have to go to them and say, I want to open a second account. There is nothing worse than you innocently doing something and wanting to do something. You've got a business idea and because of something bad happened or bad you did without knowing uh, is going to get in the way. So that's why I say do not share it with anybody. And now what I was going to say was I get everybody to create a username called Amazon at whatever their domain. And I tell them, look, this cannot be a forward email. This has to be a, a functioning email where you should be able to email back from as the sender because that's what Amazon is going to look at. So in other words, it cannot be an alias. It has to be real mailbox. So now what they did, they followed everything I said. They created an email address. They did everything. And 
because it's a new email address, they never checked it. Mm. Of course, as a brand new seller, they don't go looking at performance or anything like that. So here we are trying to figure out what's going on. And all along, they kept getting emails. So when I said, we better check this. Can you log in? And then and they, he started logging with his primary. I said, why are you logging with your primary? And he said, oh, you know, okay, let me check. And then, and in the meantime, he must have done something and said, oh, I have emails here. So the bottom line is you should not only not share with anybody, but always check the email that you used as the primary username on regular basis, at least once a day, if it's not an email. Or what I do is I just put it on forward. So it goes to uh, these days with Exchange, you can forward it. You can set up a rule. If you get an email here, also get an email. So those are the things I do. You know what I've seen happen a few times in a larger organization is someone other than the owner or the founder set up the initial account and then they got fired or something or they maybe they died or they moved on to another company and then all of a sudden the business lost access to that account and that can become a real problem. So for anybody who's in that position and, and the uh, primary login is in the name of somebody that you don't have definite control over that email, you might want to look into that and change it. Yeah. And the other thing is the, the two-factor authentication. So usually somebody sets up the primary user and the next thing is they're no longer around and you can never log in. I mean, that, that's a very serious thing. So yeah. how, do you, how do you avoid a situation where you have a 2FA set up for a different... Uh, phone number and you no longer have access to that it's challenging it is that, that, that's one of those things it's like your results may vary um that i'm sure that there's somebody out there who has a, a surefire way of dealing with that but i always find that it's difficult so i tell you this this is what happened to me. This was a private equity firm. They, they acquired several brands. And one of those brands, they lost control. So they came to me. So And I try and figure out there is no way. So in the end, what ended up happening was I was not able to help them because I said, there is nothing I can do. And I spoke to Amazon. What Amazon said was, we need to be able to verify the identity of the person. So they already have some information on file with the bank and the, the driver's license or whoever opened and whatever. So they are looking to see basically where else this current user or the current seller has access to the same information that they can verify. It's it's very hard. I mean, how are you going to do it? So uh, in the end, it was, I, I said, look, sorry, there is nothing I can do. And then the, the guy reached out to Amazon high up and find somebody. And uh, But I, I don't really know what happened. So this is a very serious thing. Yeah. Uh, 
whatever your primary username is. And what I like to do is uh, use a phone number that can just give voice. So that yeah. way you have, and you have access to that phone number. So that way uh, you, you don't have a cell phone because if the cell phone, go, the person leaves, these days nobody is giving up their cell phone, right? Yeah, so you this, might have, to have uh, an alternative way to have a number, you know, one that you can maintain um, in, in perpetuity that's not dependent upon like a cell phone or a landline or something like that. Yeah. Um, but thankfully that's an obscure situation i've only seen it a couple times yeah yeah okay so let's move on to the next scenario what else should be the case you're definitely on when we're talking about the account health dashboard it's not just a matter of checking it daily but you want to be prepared to take action you know on on things like your order defect rate or your late shipment rate or your uh response time you you want to monitor those things and take action and and one mistake i see a lot of people make is they assume that uh deleting the asin is taking action and that's not necessarily the case every once in a while the solution to the problem is to delete the asin but a lot of the time if somebody comes to me and they say hey i want your help getting these things cleaned up if they've already gone in and deleted the asin it becomes really almost impossible to get it removed from the dashboard. And there, there usually some, is something else that needs to happen uh, in order to clean that up. And um, a, a lot of the time fixing the problem means that you've got to be able to go into your inventory and edit the listing and you can't edit the listing if you've already deleted it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is also uh, not for compliance matters, but I see this all the time because we have a SaaS platform uh, and we connect to the seller's seller central account and fetch the data. And guess what happens? We, we, we connect to the items and we connect to all the, whatever the data is. And then when we fetch the data and then we combine everything, as you know, Amazon reports by ASIN. Most right. of the times, all the reports are by ASIN and Sellers don't really deal with ACEs. They deal with SKUs usually. Or some sellers don't even have SKUs. But they definitely don't use ASIN as an identifier. So, but suddenly the reports are all with by ASIN. So what we do is we convert the ASINs to SKUs and we report by SKUs. So, so your way show the FN SKU automatically? Uh, well, we, we work with the ASINs naturally, because that's what's in the report. But our reporting is by SKU because sellers like the SKUs more. Now, what happens there is we are getting the SKUs from their items list, and we are getting the reports from whatever the re reports, whatever the report is about, whether it's orders or performance. And suddenly when we do the translation of, okay, where, where is the SKU? Because we're not going from SKU to ASIN. We're going from the report ASIN back to the SKU in the item data. And suddenly we find in the reports 25 ASINs being reported with some kind of performance. And then we come look at the SKUs and there are only eight listings. Why? Because those 17 listings were deleted, but the, the performance does not go away, right? So when you download the report, 
In the report, you have everything for every single ASIN, but you've deleted those ASINs. So now what? So that's why it's a, it's a challenge. I mean, your point about don't delete something unless you have to. Um, the, one, the one caveat I would say is that it can be a best practice to go into your inventory and delete all of the listings that you are no longer going to sell. Uh, if, you, if you go in and sort by the, the products in your inventory and you see a whole bunch of things, and this applies most often to people who are not private label, um, but you see a whole bunch of products that you're no longer selling, you're not sourcing, you're not gonna sell them again. Those it can make sense to delete as long as you don't have performance and notifications associated with them. A lot of the time people don't like to delete them mm. uh, because they're concerned that they're gonna get uh, a return and then it's gonna get stranded. Um, I, I'd say, don't worry about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, my my usual rule of thumb is this. In technology, you never want to hard delete anything if there is historical data. The so, problem with that on Amazon is it can come back and bite you. Yeah. So that's my guiding principle, so to speak. If there is historical data, don't delete anything. Unfortunately, Amazon does not offer hiding something or archiving it. They, I wish that they would make that available at some point so that way people can just archive. Because really, at the end of the day, you just care about visually. When you go to manage inventory, you don't want 200 listings there if only eight of them are doing business. And, yeah, it's not a very eye-pleasing file cabinet. No, no but you, it's a, it's a fact of life. Yeah, so I tell people, try not to delete anything. And... And if you have to, then make sure that you know what, what, at least make a copy of it so that you know what was what. Do you have an FBA returns report that you manage for your clients? Uh, I, I don't do the FBA returns report. Okay. Uh, sometimes I, for, for a long time, I used to encourage people to download their FBA returns report because there's a lot of valuable information in there. And it's one of the ways you can be super proactive with your account um, because you can go in and see all the items that have complaints. And a lot of the time you can see what the complaint is and you can get out in front of Amazon sending you a notification or a warning when you see these problems showing up and then you take action to resolve it before it turns into a complaint. I have a question for my listeners. Are you experiencing cash flow challenges with your Amazon business? Well, silly question. Who is not, right? So let me introduce you to Viably, a unique solution tailored for Amazon sellers and e-commerce enterprises. By connecting your Seller Central or Shopify account, you can promptly access funding along with a variety of financial tools, all for a flat fee. It's as simple as that. And for my listeners, they are offering an extra $1,500 in funding for eligible applications. Start your quick and easy application today at runviably.com forward slash legends. And that's runviably.com forward slash legends. So this is not something I do with my clients, but I have 
some experience share on this. And it's a very interesting one. This is uh, this is like five years ago. I had a client and they sold uh, skincare items and specifically, uh, this was a lady from Australia and uh, she actually was selling on the US marketplace. So they had merchandise in a 3, 3PL and they would just replenish the FBA inventory. So what they sold was a, a product for ladies and you would put on like wrinkly areas, like usually your neck and your chest and and you would simply leave it there overnight and you would wake up with no wrinkles. So seems too good to be true. So I mean it it it, it worked very nicely. So and it was it came in a box and then you would take it out and then you would simply uh, stick it. So they came to me because they were struggling. So one of the first things I did was I looked at their performance and, and I found that they had a high return rate. Also their product rating was not good. So I did exactly that. I downloaded the FBA returns report and they, there is a reason there. So in that report, they give you a reason. And these are canned answers. So you can easily, you don't have to read every single one. You can simply categorize and then sort by, and then I did an analysis of how many of these do I have? And then I got a list of, and this is not like you have hundreds of them. You have like a handful, maybe five, six different ones. And then I looked at how many of these do I have as a complaint? And right there immediately, one thing jumped out. And you know what they were doing? So this particular thing would come out of a box and then it had a transparent film over the material. So this was like a, a, a bandage kind of thing, um, a nice kind of paper backing. Um, so you would simply take it out of the box and then stick it. But they had a transparent film. So a lot of people were complaining it doesn't stick, it falls off and blah, blah because they were not removing the transparent film because they were noticing it. They were taking it out of the box and then putting it on their chest. Of course, it wouldn't stick. And, and then they were going to bed or whatever. And then the following day, no, no change. They were complaining. So, uh, so that immediately led to, I said, did you see this? So you need to redo the packaging and just put a big, like a, a no entry sign and peel off before first use or whatever. And and that solved the problem. So this is exactly what you're talking about. I used to do that kind of analysis for clients all the time. They didn't know it was possible to get that information to be able to perform that analysis. Yeah. You know, and then working with retailers, they have a specific product that they're trying to sell. You know, they already have it in that, let's say they're a brick and mortar. And now they want to sell it online all of a sudden. And they don't realize all of the different things that need to be different about the packaging in order for the, you know, the online buyer to have a good buying experience. There's yeah. sometimes the information just does not convey very well when you're, when you've got that uh, packaging that's meant for retail. And so, so we covered, we covered quite a few things. So FBA returns report, always check FBA returns report. 
and then analyze by looking at what the cause customer reason is. I believe it's called customer reason and then group them and then look at the count. And then that will give you a very good idea if there is a consistency on one or yeah. two reasons and that, then deal with that. The action you took and the way you described it, that's exactly what I suggested. It's one of the best ways you can be proactive and stay in front of problems with your account when you can see those patterns of why items are being returned. Yeah. And then also the, the product ratings, of course, you know, you, there isn't much that you can do about those other than read each one, but anything three and below, read each one, take it to heart. Don't take it like a negative or, you know, and dismiss it. These are all things that will give you opportunities to make your product better and better and better. Definitely. Well, you know, hopefully you take care of a lot of that in the the development process before the product even becomes a product. You know, if you can get the uh, design all correct on the packaging, if you can, you know, get the product in the hands of people to try and get their feedback, hopefully you get in front of that before it ever starts to sell because it's very difficult to recover from, from negative product reviews. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, so one of the things I've seen people do fairly frequently, and I think there's maybe some bad advice out there that's causing this, is that uh, you'll see somebody respond to one of the performance notifications with the same reply over and over again. If somebody's told them, oh, just keep trying. Oh, just keep sending it back in. And if you keep sending the same reply over and over and over with the same language, that's not helping you because you could very well be wrong. And so you're just making it worse as opposed mm -hmm. to you know, really stepping back and thinking about, is there a different way I could approach this? Are they looking for something different than what I'm giving them? Don't just come up with some kind of response or canned response or something copied from somewhere and then just send it over again and over again and over again, thinking that that's going to help. Because sometimes it's like, oh, you know, you'll hear, oh, just keep calling and getting a different rep. Well, that could be beneficial, but that's different than sending the same thing over and over. You know, that that persistence is important, but not if you're just going to keep making the same mistake repeatedly. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and along the same lines, I would say people can get really impatient. You know, there are a lot of type A personalities selling on Amazon. And, you know, if you recognize it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty impatient. That might work fine for you in other parts of business or life, but not on Amazon. It seems like the more impatient you get on Amazon, the more frustrated you get, the worse it is for you. You know, you're you're just like getting caught up in a net and getting more and more tangled. And so one of the things you don't want to do is keep opening cases, keep replying to cases before they responded. You really want to wait and wait until Amazon responds to you, even if that's a week, even if that's two weeks. You don't want to keep opening cases because when you open cases on top of cases, that causes a lot of confusion and is not in your favor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree when it comes to seller performance. First of all, I say this to people. If you ever get a seller performance notification, this is nothing to do with support. Support, you can open as many cases as you want. But seller performance is you get one shot when you get a performance notification and that one shot has to be a conclusive shot in terms of what number one explain what happened 
Number two, explain what you're doing to fix it. And number three, explain what you're doing so that this never happens again. That's it. And it has to be not bulleted, but numbered list. Number one, first explain what uh, one line. I'd like to put one line just uh, making a, a statement about your uh, regret and the reason. And then and here is what we have found. Number one, number two, number three as, you know, why, what you're doing to fix, and then what will you do in the future? And then you ask for them to reconsider based on this. So those three points, that's the structure, essentially, of your plan of action. It may right. also be the structure of when you're replying and you're submitting information and they give you a text box to put it in, that's the structure that you'd want to have the your your language uh, follow in that text box. When yeah. we say, you know, what what happened? That's your root cause. You've got to put on your research, your investigative hat, and and you've got to be able to explain very thoroughly but succinctly to Amazon what's the root cause of this problem? What caused it? Where yeah. where, where did this issue arise? Um, and you want to be, you know, very, very careful with that. Obviously, you want to make sure that you know what they think the problem is. Yeah. Now, uh, a lot of the times I've seen people, they send a reply, and they ask a question. Don't do that. Do not ask questions. <laughs> Don't do that. Stellar performance. And by the way. I did this, by the way, in my very early years. They said that you have, we, we have reason to believe you're selling counterfeit items. This is a long time ago. And I asked, which is the ASIN you're referring to? They said, you are selling the items. You're supposed to know that. <laughs> So if you do anything wrong, first of all, they'll come back. They'll they'll come to you with anything. You you are guilty before you are found innocent. That's how sure. it, how seller performance treats sellers. So Very if much. something happens, I mean, a lot of the times the two things: seller performance treats all sellers as guilty before found innocent. Period. That's right. how they treat everybody. And you don't like it? You don't have to sell on Amazon. It's their own backyard. So that's the way you have to deal with it. And the other thing is sellers are uh, held to a high standard yeah, because Amazon provides best customer experience and you are there benefiting from their branding of best customer experience and they don't want you doing anything that will damage that. So uh, that's why they have every right to hold you to standards that may be hard to to meet. If that's the case, there's nothing you can do, right? I wouldn't say there's nothing you can do, but well, you can improve. But perspective, it's yeah, important you, to have that mindset and accept that the general principle is they're right, and they think you're wrong. They think you've made a mistake. They're not out to get you, but they think you've made a mistake. They think that there's some error, you know, on your part. And you've got to figure out what it is, what caused it, and how to fix it. 
yeah exactly yeah okay so um can we back yeah, up so, for just a second sure this has nothing to do with the best practices uh related to seller performance per se but one of the things that you mentioned that i don't hear people mention very often and and for a lot of sellers hey this is old hat you know old news or maybe it doesn't even apply to them in a lot of cases but for a lot of sellers it does apply to them and they're missing out if they're not taking advantage of that and that's flat files oh flat files are super super powerful super beneficial super efficient and it's this incredible opportunity for you to take advantage of if you're not doing it yeah i mean we we've done episodes uh, i would uh, ask all my listeners to go look up and uh, there, there are so many ways so uh, again just, just to give a little bit of a perspective on the flat files it not only avoids a lot of the sort of performance uh, issues but also this idea of best customer experience comes from the most reliable and relevant information and most reliant more most reliable and relevant information on listings needs to be inputted by somebody so if you go to seller central and then create listings click 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 and update you only have access to a limited number of those fields that define the product but when you go to flat files the very reason why people don't like them is because they're so big, so many columns, becomes the very reason why Amazon likes flat files because all those individual columns that require information, will, they are there to provide that detailed information that makes the customer uh, experience much, much better quality. For example, watch bands. So... There are, if you're selling watch bands, there's nothing controversial about it. And there is a column for material. There's a column for width. There's a column. So all those are available in the flat files, but not necessarily on Seller Central Manage Inventory. So that's why I like to, I always advocate using flat files. Plus, when you make a change, there's no record of it. You just type and hit submit. And but when you submit a flat file, there's a batch ID you can call, you can provide the batch ID, and then they can investigate and help you. Yeah, so. definitely don't want to lose sleep on that one. As far as you know, you don't want to be asleep at the wheel and miss it. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do one more before we move on to my favorite part of the show. What do you think is the best way for somebody to stay informed of policy changes? I feel like it's it's very important to keep up with changes in policy, but what do you what do you feel like is the best way for people to stay up to date and and become aware of changes that have been are being implemented? So this is something that I have done and I advocate for. There's two things I can uh, that come to my mind. Number one, when you log into Seller Central homepage. There is a lot of updates there. First of all, log in every day and keep an eye on those because Amazon is a huge company, so many different departments doing so many different things, releasing new things. Uh, so the, the, the only way they communicate those, nobody's going to come knocking on your door. They just release it inside Seller Central. So keep an eye on those, all the uh, recent uh, developments or changes or whatever. They do publish it there. The second thing is there is something called seller forums. 
that you can log in with your primary username. And that's where you have, it's basically a forum with all kinds of categories, subjects, threads. You can do a search and Amazon employees, Amazon representatives are also users there. In many cases, you post a question, other sellers will respond, and then you will see Amazon employees. You can see the flag and the logo. And so I say between keeping a close eye on Seller Central announcements and seller forums, being active in seller forums and keeping an eye, those would be the ways that I can think of. I would say there's uh, one other thing that uh, a lot of sellers sort of uh, take for granted or assume, and that is that if you're FBA, that Amazon's going to handle all of the customer service for you. And my response to that is maybe, but if you want to act in your own best interest, you should be checking your messaging daily oh. and definitely doing everything you can to take care of the customer and don't just push them back to Amazon representatives for support. You know, if they reach out to you, do whatever you can to, to reach out, to respond, to, to provide excellent customer service. Well, they have a metric. Yeah. So you, you have buyer seller messages. So those buyer seller messages are your responsibility as a seller and they need to see you, handling those in a timely manner. And they have two metrics uh, responded over 24 hours or under 24 hours, and it shows the count. Now, the last I had anything to do with that metric, uh, I was told it may have changed. Uh, I don't know the latest uh, use of it, but I was told that this is not a metric that will be considered for account suspensions. doesn't affect it. It just like if you if your ODR shoots up, it goes over one percent. You are in you know dangerous territory. Uh, but if you don't answer any of the messages for I don't know three days, four days consistently, your metric is gonna go through the roof. But does it cause anything? I don't know. Uh, last I checked was a long time ago. They said it's not a cause for suspension. If nothing else, though, it's going to likely result in an upset customer and potentially A to Z claim. Yeah, well, I mean, look, look at it this way. If it's a pre-sale inquiry, you're losing a sale. If it's a post-sale inquiry, you are likely to get a refund request, an A to Z claim, and a negative, negative seller feedback. And potentially a negative rating for the product. Why, why do that? Answer the emails, keep an yeah. eye on them. And if there is one, answer it right away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So this was, uh, we, we really covered the, the most essential parts of managing your seller activity, so to speak, as the account holder, which often gets neglected. And everybody wants to start selling and work on keywords, listings. You know, without an account, you've got nothing. And yeah. it's so easy to get in trouble. All right. Yeah. So let's now get to know you a little bit. So who is Scott Margulis? Uh, tell us, where was he? Uh, where did he grow up? 
when was it that he started dabbling in entrepreneurial stuff? Hmm. So my uh, dad was in the military. So I never lived anywhere longer than four and a half years up until after I graduated from college. Um, so that took me, you know, quite a few places, more, more than probably average. And I saw, uh, you know, a lot of different places in the world. And I think in the process of that, you get an idea of what's possible. You know, I know a lot of people who've never been in an airplane. I know people who've never left the state where I live today. And that is almost mind boggling to me. I mean, I kind of appreciate and embrace the simplicity of that, but it gives you vision like this. Yeah. You know, exactly. and unless you unless you're spending a lot of time, you know, reading or doing something that enlarges your mindset. But uh, as far as an entrepreneurial focus, I don't know that I really thought about that until I did it. So I started selling, uh, I, I was on eBay in 2000, uh, but not really using that as a, any part of my livelihood per se. Uh, you know, just a little bit here and there dabbling. Um, but in 2012 is when I started selling on Amazon. And that quickly became an important source of revenue. Uh, and it wasn't but two years in or less that I thought, hey, this is um, something that can pay the bills. And, and I was hooked. So I quit my day job uh, two years after I started selling on Amazon. And then I've been you know, helping sellers since 2014, full time. So I, I want to understand a couple of things there. So you traveling around because of your dad's, you know, military service. That means that you've had no friends for a long time. Yeah, it's very interesting, actually. Uh, no, it's it's not that I didn't have friends. I just didn't have long-term friends. Like, I don't have any friends from childhood. I don't know where any of those people are. You know? That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's interesting. Long-term friends. So how does that how does that feel as someone who's gotten here in life and not having long-term friends? Uh, I mean, part of it is you don't know what you're missing. Right. It's like, I don't know what to compare that to. Uh, I've had friends for 30 years. That's not the same as having a childhood friend. How does that affect you? I don't know. There is a, so the reason I'm asking is, how does that impact your entrepreneurial life? Hmm. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, do you have some sort of a, a sense as to what that might mean? So... There is a term called third culture kid. You know what that means? I have heard that. Okay. You are a T TCK for short. You are a TCK. TCK definition is people who have spent more of their adult years outside their parents' culture. In other words, wherever your parents 
uh, grew up and developed their culture, you have lived in places that were different than theirs. Yeah, yeah. And so, now as far as like predominantly, or, you know, if there's some sort of percentage that qualifies you, I'm not sure if that would be the case. But certainly there would be some uh, semblance of, of truth to that. So here is what happens to TCKs. TCKs often stay in one place for a small period of time, and then they move on. So growing up as a kid, what happens is you are in a place and then you start school, you make a few friends, and then two, three, four years later, it's time to move on. Now you get put in another school, you make new set of friends. So, so every three, four, five years, whatever the case may be, you are getting a new set of friends. But yeah. guess what happens with friendship? Sometimes friends fight, right? So they have arguments. They get you know, upset with each other. What happens in relationships when people get upset with each other? You deal with it and then you find a resolution and you make your peace and then the friendship continues. Well, guess what? If you keep moving around, there is no need to put so much effort into it because you're going to lose them anyway. So this concept of third culture kid was developed by a psychologist in early 1980s. The reason was because this psychologist was a relationship expert. And then she started to notice the same kind of problems from her patients. And then when she started investigating to see what these people have in common. And it was simply, they were all people who was born in one country, but spent more of their years in another country or another location or whatever. This is especially the case for diplomats, kids and others, because their language and religion, culture, everything is very different. So, um, so they would develop these... Uh, issues in when they got into close relationships. Right. So that's where it came from. And and I happened to be a third culture kid. So I know this. In fact, this was like a, a wake-up call for me. And the person I met, I didn't know anything about what TCK was. Uh, she was actually my dentist. And she said to me, oh, um, you have this, you have that. And and I said, yeah. And she said, you are a TCK. And I said, what, what is a TCK? It's a third culture kid. And she said, look it up. When you get home, look it up. I'm not telling you. So I came home and I looked it up. It's unbelievable. I found this page where X, uh, seven or 10 signs of, uh, of a TCK. And I had like the top four or five, all of them. Check, check, check. And you know what it was? The first one. You have multiple time zones set up on your computer because you have friends all over the world. Another one is you start to receive birthday uh, greetings the day before your birthday because the time zone, you have people all over. So uh, these were all things. And also it gets into the relationship mindset. And so it's a, it's an issue. But the point is how it impacts. In This is my opinion. Now. So... Friends are our support system, right? So parents, of course, but at some point you graduate to friends. Without having these long-term relationships that you would consider true friends, 
What do you have as support system? My cat? You. <laughs> you. Yeah. So you become self-reliant. For sure. And what is an, an entrepreneur if he or she is not self-reliant? Yeah, that's pretty true. So I think that's the impact. So in your case, your success, and in fact, I'm going to even go as far as saying this. You could have done all kinds of things. You could have become a full-service Amazon agency. You could have become PPC agency. You could have, be, you could have listing optimization expert, whatever. What you chose was one of the most difficult things because you have figured it out yourself about how to fix. And then one thing that you lacked was to have a support system and you've become the support system for people who have the hardest situation that affects them the most. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. I and mean, so, it's so interesting, like all the hum humans are all these different layers of the onion, you know, and you find out about this aspect of your personality and, you know, how, how do your genes come into play and what did you inherit from your parents and what did you learn in school and what have you been exposed to and what are the environmental aspects? And there's so many different things that make us who we are, you know, the, all the different components. And then, and we get to choose. I, I choose what I think about. You choose what you think about. You choose what you watch on TV. You choose whether you watch TV. You choose what you listen to. To a large degree, you choose the kind of person that you are. Yeah, exactly. We, we and, determine and the these things. And, and if you're an entrepreneur, you have all this additional time available that other people might not have where you choose how you live. You choose where you live. You choose what you do. Th those are incredible things to have those choices that's so powerful and it also becomes a great responsibility you know what we do with our time how we live and how we how we have the opportunity to help others that we might not have had otherwise is is remarkable yeah yeah i totally uh, agree it's at the end of the day life is what you make it and your choices matter and your choices say who you are. And that's why they say, you know, you tell me your friends and I tell you who you are. And uh, so, and, and in the world of not having too many long-term friends, <laughs> it then becomes, you know, uh, much harder. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I frankly uh, have been fortunate enough to have uh, some long-term friends that I kept in touch. So, um, it's, but uh, I totally understand. And I think that him developing that skill to be self-reliant and then when you are down, how to pick yourself uh, up and keep going. You know, I think that uh, being a TCK definitely helps that. Definitely something to consider. Well, uh, you know, th this is the reason why I like this part of it. So you, you learn something and uh, so scott tell us uh, how can people reach out to you when they get in trouble so i guess you you deal with anybody right so when they they can just knock on your door and say i need help with this and that's how you work right pretty much i try to keep it as flexible as possible and in an age where 
I, I see people, oh, you know, go do this, go through this system, or we'll get you into our CRM system or anything like that. I, I like to connect with people the way they want to connect. So I've got some people, they only text me. I've got some people only use WhatsApp. I've got some people only use Telegram. Some people only want a phone call. <laughs> some people only want email. And and so I try to be, you know, super flexible in that regard and, and make it easy for people to get a hold of me. But uh, essentially, if you go to my website, then that's a really good starting point. Uh, Ecom, E-C-O-M, as in Mary, seller, tools with an S dot com. That makes it super simple. Uh, we'll obviously put your contact information on the episode page so anybody can uh, just click and reach out to you. So this was a great conversation. Uh, I, I like the fact that you and I belong to the same uh, same club. That's pretty neat, really. Yeah, but look up, look up TCK. You'll you'll be amazed to see the stuff. It's very uh, interesting. Phenomenal. I heard somebody mention it about a year ago. She said, "Oh, you know, you're TCK." I'm like, "What?" She said, "Look yeah, it up. Yeah. There's a book. Definitely. You know, go go read a book about it." Yeah. All right. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for the time. Before I go, a quick reminder to say goodbye to your cash flow problems and claim your extra $1,500 when you qualify for $25,000 or more in funding. Go to www.runviably.com forward slash legends and start your application today. Thank you. And this brings us to the end of another episode. And I'll see you on the next If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the episode. And share it with someone you think would benefit from it too.